This is the story of the Sweet House. Before we get started, I'd just like to let you know that at least in October 2012, people did still live in this home, so please respect their privacy in case they still do. This audio is intended to be listened to from the sidewalk in front of the house at 2905 Garland Street, which for the record used to be Garland Avenue. At the end of the story, we'll ask for your response, so stay tuned for instructions on how you can participate. This house was bought in 1925 by a doctor named Ocean Sweet. It was to be the first home for him, his wife Gladys, and their baby girl, Eva. The Sweets were black, all their neighbors white. In 1925 Detroit, as it was in almost every other American city, major American city in the 1920s, whites were drawing a color line. They were saying that African Americans couldn't live in white neighborhoods. That's Kevin Boyle. He wrote a book about the Sweets. Boyle says that Dr. Sweet did not believe his family should only be allowed to live in a black neighborhood. He believed he had a right, and Mrs. Sweet particularly believed they had a right to this house. They could pay for it. If they wanted it, they should have it. But Dr. Sweet also knew that moving into this neighborhood might be dangerous. He packed guns when they moved in here on September 8th. There's no evidence that he intended to use them, but clearly he felt the need to have them. Word had gone around the neighborhood really for weeks that this African-American couple was going to be moving into their neighborhood, and people were terrified by the idea that suddenly this wasn't a white neighborhood anymore. On the Sweets' second night in their new home, they kept their baby at Mrs. Sweets' mother's house and invited relatives and acquaintances to keep them company. They were nervous that something might happen. Mrs. Sweet was in the kitchen. She was baking a ham for her ten guests. Dr. Sweet set up a card table. Look through that window on the left side of the porch. One room back from that is the dining room. In that room, Dr. Sweet played cards with some of his guests. And the idea was that you were just going to keep everybody's mind off things until night came. And then right around 7.30 or so, Dr. Sweet's little brother, Henry, he got up from that card table and he went to the side windows facing Charlevoix. And he looked out those windows and he saw the mob. Dr. Sweet saw hundreds of men standing around where you are on the sidewalk, spread out into the cross street and the alley behind his home. And he knew why they were there. He knew they wanted his family out, that they wanted him gone. Can you imagine? Dr. Sweet was so paralyzed with fear that he actually went upstairs to lie down for about 20 minutes. Not long after, the rocks started hitting. Teenagers threw the first ones. Maybe it was a dare. Kids trying to impress each other. They just started lobbing them across. And then once that happened, the mob mentality kicked in and more people joined them. And the stones hit up on the roof of the house. You can see how it's sloping down. And it hit on that gorgeous front porch. And it hit the stones hit on the lawn. And as that rain of stones started... Shots were fired from the upstairs windows of the house. Now turn around and look at the house directly across from the suites. Two white men were shot right there, and one of them died. It was not Dr. Sweet that fired, but some of his guests. Even so, 
all 11 people inside the house, including Dr. Sweet's wife, were arrested. The charge for each of them, first-degree murder. Two days after that, the NAACP's director, a man by the name of James Walden Johnson, he read in one of the New York newspapers about this arrest in Detroit. And he said, when the Sweets go on trial in Detroit, the NAACP is going to defend them. You see, the NAACP, or the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, was already building a campaign to try to stop neighborhoods from being segregated. And so, to defend the Sweet Party, the organization launched a search for the best lawyer they could find. They found a guy by the name of Clarence Darrow, who was then the greatest criminal defense attorney in the United States. Darrow had to defend his clients against an all-white jury. Emotions were incredibly high. Racial divisions were incredibly high. Racism was very blatant. And so this great fear was that jurors wouldn't vote the facts. Jurors would decide on their fears and prejudices. And one of the things that Clarence Darrow did in court is he stood in front of these jurors and he said, go ahead, convict my client. Go ahead. I dare you to convict my client. But if you do it, you know you're doing it on your fears and your prejudices. The jurors must have found some truth in Darrow's taunting. For over the course of two trials, even with Dr. Sweet's brother Henry admitting that he fired into the crowd, no one, not one of the 11 people in the Sweet House on September 9th, was convicted of murder. That's an amazing thing. Here it was at the height of the American conflict over race. African-American men in the city of Detroit on this street in defense of their house killed a white man. And an all-white jury said that they were not guilty of murder for that act because they were acting in self-defense. It was a huge victory at the time. But while you're standing here on the sidewalk, look around Garland Avenue, look around the neighborhood. And the real tragedy, the great tragedy of the sweet story is that what happened on this street a long, long, long time ago To this day, Garland Avenue is segregated. For Listen to Detroit, I'm Sumara Smith. In just a second, I'm going to tell you how you can share your reactions to this story, so stay tuned. This audio guide was produced by Laura Herberg with Posey Gruner, Noah Morrison, Zach Rosen, and Allison Swaim. It was funded in part by SoundCloud, with in-kind support from 1019 WDET. A very special thanks to Kevin Boyle. The award-winning book he wrote about the Sweets is called Arc of Justice, A Saga of Race, Civil Rights, and Murder in the Jazz Age. We also received help from Kimberly Simmons of the Detroit River Project and the Detroit Historical Society's Black Historic Sites Committee. Jeanette Pierce of DeHive also helped out. For more guides created by Listen to Detroit, go to our website, listentodetroit.org. While there, you can check out links to books and tours on the city of Detroit. And like I said, we want to hear your response to this story. Right here, right now. 
on your phone, look at our website and click on the menu bar at the top of the page. From that drop-down menu, select Share a Story. It'll be as easy as leaving a voicemail message. Is there something else we should know about the Sweet Saga or this neighborhood? What about your thoughts on segregation in Detroit or even just your reaction to the story? Any or all of it, we think it's important and would like to hear from you. If you have something to say, please click on the Share a Story tab now.